Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Sneakers and Cleats, the podcast. Welcome back to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. It is Monday, February 19th. This is episode 77. Matt Roy, Chuck McAtinick. Happy President's Day to everybody. Sorry for my voice. It, uh, I'm, I'm fighting off a cold the best I can. I'll make sure that I keep my distance, yeah. brah. Yeah, we should have done this uh, virtually today. You and one box, so <laughs> make, make sure you don't get sick. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I'm doing my best. I, went, I probably didn't help myself because I went golfing yesterday in the cold, so it really didn't help at all. But Sorry, you sweat it out? I, yeah, maybe a few too many cocktails on the course, too. Uh, oh, okay, you know, too may, much info. Maybe it didn't help. Maybe it didn't help. I, I was told what that, happens I was at told, the course stays at the course. I was told that alcohol kills uh, bacteria, so, I, you know. I'm under that impression, too. <laughs> so Somebody tells me I'm <laughs> doing my best. Just kidding. Drink responsibly. <laughs> anyway, so um, got a lot going on. We got uh, all the happenings of All-Star Weekend. We had Don there, so Don uh, and Jack told us all of the – got the skinny from them from a, a kind of a wild weekend in, in Indianapolis. Um, we're going to talk a little bit of Super Bowl odds since the odds have come out already. One Super Bowl is gone. Let's look forward to the next one. And spring training's here. I know it's one of your favorite times of the year. Yes. Spring training is underway. We'll look at some World Series odds. We'll talk about the Rangers and the Astros off-seasons and have a little bit of a talk on free uh, Major League Baseball free agency as well. But first, as always, we stick with or we start with our number game. Number 77 is our episode. So number 77, I would say Luka Doncic came to mind immediately. Luka Doncic is a top five player in the league right now. He's one of the most truly phenomenal players that I've ever seen. Uh, so he comes to mind immediately. And for me, it was Lyle Alzado, and that was the only 77 I could think of. But Tyron Smith, to me, too. Oh, I know that once I saw that on your list, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. But for me, it's the wild man Lyle Alzado. Just the brand of 77 stays with him. Yeah, I mean, for me, I thought of Tyron Smith immediately. I thought of Luka Doncic. I thought of Carl uh, Mecklenburg, big Bronco guy. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, another good left tackle from our from my generation at least. So a lot of good seventy sevens. Uh, I didn't know that Manu Ginobili born in seventy seven. So you can have that. Uh, also happening in nineteen seventy seven, uh, Raiders over Vikings in Super Bowl eleven, thirty two to fourteen. That one was played in the Rose Bowl. Fred Blitnikoff was the MVP. Uh, the Blazers beat the 76ers four games to two in the NBA Finals, and the Yankees defeated the Dodgers to win the World Series. Reggie Jackson, henceforth known as Mr. October. Uh, brings up great memories, not only from you know the three-homer game, but the fact that Mr. October, how accessible he's become these days. I mean, bumped into him a couple of times during the playoffs, during the Astros run. Of course, he's now associated with the Astros post-career, but just a great guy to be able to listen to some of his stories and his thoughts on the game. Just pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I always thought it was um, one of my favorite things from when I was a kid is when Derek Jeter hits his home run, when it, like when the clock strikes midnight, so then he's henceforth known as Mr. November because he couldn't be Mr. Right. October. It's one of my favorite things, even though I hate the Yankees. 
I'm a Red Sox fan, so I hate the Yankees through and through. But that's one of my favorite things from when I was a kid is just like how how can you not be romantic about baseball? You know? Right. And I mean, the, the, the feelings that you have about Jeter, <laughs> given where you are in life, but the same thing for me with Reggie Jackson. I mean, that's a brand. Mm. You know, you, you can't get those memories out no matter what may come your way in terms of how old you get. Right. So let's get to uh, the All-Star Weekend. All-Star Game was the last thing on the slate. That's the first thing we'll talk about. So I don't even – it's not a game anymore. First of all, it seems like it's just like a glorified offensive practice. Um, I think it's high time that we take this All-Star Game out to the back and shoot it and put it out of its misery and never to be heard from again. It's embarrassing. It's it's a travesty of what has, a, what has come to this game. You're getting all of the players – all the best players in the world on one court. You're supposed to have a game. You're supposed to. It's supposed to be fun. Yes. Maybe you don't play the hardest of defense. This is in Game Seven of the Finals, of course. But maybe you play a little bit of defense. And for the score to be two eleven to one eighty six in an All Star game when nobody's playing any defense is just an embarrassment to the NBA. The game needs to end. They can never play this game again because no one who wants to watch that. Nobody. Well. Full disclosure, I mean, I was kind of casually watching last night because the game was on opposite Maximum Sports last night, so I was trying to get ready for a show. But it's funny that you say that. Oh, ha ha funny. It's strange that you say that because I always think that I'm the old man in the room, and I don't want to be the guy piling on. You know, maybe it's just a, you know, it's a generational thing. Maybe I just don't understand given my status in life, you know, being the guy with all the white hair and the gray beard and all that. But to wake up to the comments that I saw, and even from players themselves, I mean, if you don't mind, yeah. I'd like to read them. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're pretty jarring. Uh, everybody last night on Twitter and everything was just like, this game is embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, first of all, we'll start with a player. Anthony Edwards, this is a direct quote from him, according to NBA Central. For me, it's an all-star game, so I don't think I will ever look at it like being super competitive. Okay, we'll start with that. That's a player. And then, you know, a couple of guys that have covered numerous All-Star games, and I think it's my feeling that they're both pretty big basketball fans in general. Talking about David Aldridge, for one, here's what he said. Quote, this was dreadful. Again, I'm beginning to think this game is irredeemable. I'm not sure why even minimal defensive effort is beyond this generation of All-Stars. But it may be time to end this game if they can't give more of a damn than that. And then there was one other one. Let's see if I can find it. Da, da, I mean, he's da, right. <laughs> Bob Ryan, yeah, the Boston guy, Ryan. the ESPN guy, quote, if you're not personally offended by this disgraceful, disgraceful farce taking place right now in Indy, you don't love or understand basketball. These quote-unquote all-stars should be censured. And where are the coaches? Have any of them have any pride? They're all acting like athletic court jesters. It's they're I mean, not that's, wrong. That's savage. I mean, I, I don't. I guess I don't look at it in terms of, you know, I'm gonna, my life's gonna be altered differently if the West should lose to the East. You know, I just don't give it that much energy anymore. But you know, I was telling you earlier, Matt, that. You know, I covered a lot of these all-star games from like 93 for a good decade plus. And there were times that these all-star games were so good. Like if you were locking the game for quote-unquote highlights, 
that you could not write down fast enough and time code what was happening in real time. Like you'd no sooner would write something down. It's like you'd hear the crowd go, Ooh, ah, and then you'd have to ask the guy next to you or the gal next to you. Hey, what just happened? Cause I was writing something down and Oh, you know, Shaq just had a rim rocker or whoever. I mean, I'm going to have to go back and dig up those clips and then, you know, I don't know what the restrictions are putting them on the internet, but I just wish people, and, and again, I, I, I know I sound like the old man in the room, but I wish people could have remembered or have seen what those all-star games were like. I mean, you had guys like Charles Barkley and Scottie Pippen going at one another. I mean, there was pride between the East and the West and, you know, the East feeling a lot during the time I was covering these things. Like they were little brother and, you know, I can remember Barkley being pissed about Shaq's first all-star game and that Shaq was getting too much attention. And like, they like tried to take it to him on the court because they were not happy with Shaq's status or perceived status in the league that he was somehow being anointed early on. And it was just, there was drama even in an all-star game. There's just doesn't seem like there's any of this. There's too much buddy, buddy. And it's almost like these guys are there just for a convention and they're illuminaries at a convention. It's like they're there because they have to be. And it's, it's supposed to be a celebration of your league. It's supposed to be a celebration of your phenomenal half of the season that you've had so far, 55 games, whatever they've played. Um, it's not that anymore. It seems obligatory, and they're taking the fun out of it. Like, All-Star Saturday night is still pretty good, I think. The, I mean, the dunk contest is what, what the dunk contest is at this point. But the All-Star game is a farce. It's... It shouldn't be played anymore. They need to take it out back and shoot it. Like it's done. You you have to alter it somehow. You have to put some sort of, of of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to give them something. You have to incentivize them, some, them. Yeah, but I don't know what you give them. What are you going to give them? More money? They're already making more money in the world. I think the problem is is that Saturday night, for what it was, has now morphed into Sunday. But it's like, can you blame the players? I mean, everything around the event is, you know, it's an entertainment operation it's a kiosk it's all of this convention style gathering stuff and you're literally just a small part of a bigger thing and you know if there's as a professional welder shana ford uses forge fx to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills the more muscle memory that you have the smoother your weld is Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Every step of the way, I mean, how much does that get your competitive juices going? I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't know where the blame goes. It's just, I guess I'm at the point now where I'm not giving it any energy. What about changing it to like a three-on-three tournament style? I don't know. I mean, you got, again, you got, you got 20, 30 players. So it's 10 teams of three. Maybe you'd do a double elimination, three-on-three tournament, first to 25. I, You know, I just think the league has changed. I think it's gotten to the point, and again, this is just personal opinion, that it seemed like 15, 20 years ago that every player felt responsible for growing the game. And whether it was, you know, at an all-star game or in the playoffs or even during the regular season or even when they were visiting other towns, you know, players were available, they were accessible. I mean, you know, Don and Jack are telling stories like you can't even record interviews with these guys anymore. The league does it, then they give it to you. It's just everything is so static Mm -hmm. that 
and just homogenize that, you know, there's just no way to convey any life around anything because everything is so staged in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, it's just – I Robert tossed to me on Friday, Max Sports, and he was like, I usually look forward to uh, All-Star Weekend a lot. And I was like, I used to. I just – I don't anymore. I It's it's something that I just don't care about. The Pro Bowl games, I don't care about. The All-Star games, I don't care about because they don't care. If the players showed me that they care, right. then I would care more. But they, they don't give a crap, so why should I? Well, that's uh, I heard Max Scherzer say something interesting yesterday that I really hadn't thought about. And it, it's kind of like he's, he's warning his clubhouse already that I saw what happened in 2019 when we won a championship in that you don't play every day during the regular season as hard as you should because you're only playing for the postseason. But if you don't play every day like it's the postseason, you'll never get to the postseason. Right. And I think, you know, that's just human nature, right? If you've been there, done that, if you're making all this money, then, of course, you know, they're going to take a little of the dog out of the fight. I don't know. I th- feel like that's kind of what's happened a lot in the regular season, too. If it's just one of 82 and that's the way it's treated every single night, either by guys sitting out because they're hurt or a little banged up or they're – being rested for whatever reason. I mean, if you devalue competition, at some point people are going to go move on and look for things that make their juices flow. One of the things that stands out in the David Aldridge thing is, what does it say about this generation of All-Stars? I mean, this generation of players is completely different than 20 years ago and it's completely different than 30 years ago. You have, um, I, I have a distinct memory in my head of Kobe Bryant coming down the floor on a, in an all-star game and slapping the floor and playing really good defense and hard defense on LeBron just because he wanted to show the younger generation, like, I'm still here, I'm still king. You don't have that anymore. It's all buddy-buddy and all that stuff. So what does it say about the generation that we are in right now? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just you know probably a product of the fact that the previous generation built the NBA to what it is and that nobody has – I shouldn't say nobody, but just – most of these guys are brands in and of themselves, and it's not team first. It's me first in a lot of situations. Not all, obviously, because there's still a lot of teams that play the right way and look good playing the game. But I just think overall, it's you want the sizzle and the pizzazz, and you want all the shiny things without you know going through the steps that it takes to get to that point. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, that's all we'll say on the All Star Game right now. I, mean, I don't want to get off on too too much of a tangent on no, it. But, you're sounding like me, like an old man. <laughs> but I, it's just, well, it's just embarrassing. Like, it's I love basketball. I really do. It was one of my, it was my first love. I loved basketball long before I loved uh, football. And it's just games shouldn't be ending 140 to 135. Games shouldn't be ending 211 to 186. And it's not even just the All Star Game. It's regular season games that you have ending. I think. The Pacers in Atlanta scored 308 points in a game earlier this season, the most in NBA history. And I was just like, that's not basketball. You're not playing any defense. You're just trying to score points. I know the objective is to score more points than your opponent, but the objective is to also stop your opponent from scoring points. So it's it's not the beautiful game that I grew up loving. And I sound like an old man, get off my porch kind of guy right now, but that it's just not that anymore. Well, and it's completely changed. I, I think there's some comfort for me knowing that I, I often feel, like I said, that it's just me, but based on the reaction today and what you say, and obviously you're quite a bit younger than me, then, you know, maybe no. my eyes aren't lying. But again, at some point, 
this will change because people are going to demand change. There were quite a few empty seats last night in that arena. Yeah. You know, maybe it's cost of ticket and I get all that too. But again, if it's, if you've had a track record of this for a number of years, what makes you think things are going to change? You've got to see change before people are going to start buying into this stuff. So uh, we had an all-star or two uh, up there. Actually, they weren't all-stars, but they were rising stars. Victor Wembanyama had a jam-packed weekend on Friday. He went to the Techport Summit for the NBA. Um, then he had a media day, and then he had the rising st- uh, stars game, and he's being pulled in a thousand different directions on Friday. And then on Saturday, he's doing hits with TNT and hits with ESPN, and everyone's trying to anoint him as the future. And then he has to play in the skills challenge, and he just, he looks exhausted. He he looked so beat by the end of Friday, not let alone Saturday. Like he looks like he just wants to take a couple of days off and go crawl in a hole and just sleep. Because well, hopefully been, he'll be afforded that because it did look like he worked, right? I mean, they don't he, play again until Thursday. He was not there for fun. He was there, he was there being pulled in every direction by every single person, by the NBA, by ESPN, by TNT, by Nike. his team, by Nike, yeah. by everybody. Everybody wanted a piece of Victor. And at the end, it was just like, I don't, what, what else do I have left to give here, you know? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, you know, I'm sure it's grueling in some aspects, and there's some things that he has to learn, but... You're not digging a ditch <laughs> at the end right. of the day. So You're not. It, but he did say a couple of interesting things as well. The reason I say that he looked tired is, one, Jack told us in the other room, like, yeah. he was he looked beat. Um, Jack, our esteemed photog, Jack Green. Um, the other thing is, like, at the end of the uh, Rising Stars game, they lost in the first round when his team was clearly the best team. They, they were stacked. Uh, and they went up against a G League team and lost. Reminded me a lot of Spurs games, to be honest. It was like they got up in the first quarter and then faded away in the second and third and then came back and uh, tried, tried to make it a game in the fourth. But after that game, he went to the podium almost instantaneously. It was like four minutes from the end of that game to when he was on the podium, which helped me to get Right, uh, yeah, that's on. a first. Um, but what he said was he was like, they, they were like, well, what do you think of the game? Were you excited to play in it and all that stuff? And he was like, well, it's another thing I have to check off the list this weekend. It was just, it was obligatory. It was like, I have to be here. I have to play in this game. I was selected to play in the game. That's what I'm going to do. But it's just like not, It's it seems like it's taking all the fun out of it for the kid. Yeah, I mean, only he knows, right, what that weekend was like. I don't know, That that's disappointing because you would think that you know, for everything that the NBA has built itself into in the brand and the great players that have played on the court, to have a part, even if it's a smaller part, in the weekend, I would think would be a huge honor. So, I mean, I, I guess that's disappointing in some ways that he looked at it that way. And, I mean, again, I, I can't argue with him, but that's his point of view. That's his point of view. I feel like on um, Saturday, I feel, I feel like it's just the frustration of losing. He's lost so much this year and so much more than he's accustomed to losing that I think if he was on a team that was 40 and 10 or, you know, 30 and 20, even had a winning record, he probably wouldn't feel like this. But he, and he said as much on TNT on Saturday was when he wasn't cussing on air. That Um, was funny. That was really funny. Uh, He he takes after me in that, I guess. Um, (laughs) He said, like, I'm just, it's frustrating to lose all the time. And the fact that they're growing and he's trying not to skip steps and they're trying to do all those things, but it, it's grinding on him. And you can very clearly see it's grinding on him to lose every single night. Well, 
I think that's very respectable, right? I mean, that's what you want to see. You yeah. do, who who thinks that this is okay, right? If it's not okay with him, then good. It shouldn't be okay with me, and we should demand better. And I think he should demand better, and I think he is demanding better. And everybody's trying to demand better, and you're right. You can't skip steps. There's a process through all of this, but, you know, again, it – you know, if it's starting to get frustrating for him, then I think it's probably a signal for everybody else that it's okay for you to be frustrated with the losing too. Yeah, I mean, and he clearly wants to be one of the greats. He said he said as much uh, in that interview with TNT, and he said it multiple times throughout the weekends that he wants to play in these All Star games and he wants to be one of the greats that um, has played this game. But it's the steps that he has to take to get there and for this team to get there that I think is what's grinding on him right now. But let's get uh, off of the NBA All-Star Weekend. Let's get to a little bit of Super Bowl odds. So the Super Bowl odds came out. Chiefs are not the favorites to win the or to win the Super Bowl again next year, even though they are two-time defending champs at the moment. The 49ers are the best odds at plus 500. Chiefs are plus 650. Ravens plus 850. Then the Lions, Bills, Bengals, until we get to the Cowboys, who have the... VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Eighth best odds to win the Super Bowl. My question for you, Texans are a bit down there. They are 9, 10, 11, they're 12th. Are the Cowboys too high? Are we putting too much in their basket yet again? No, I don't think so. Eighth I mean, best odds. I mean, again, this is a 12-win team from a year ago, and they're not going to lose, I don't think, a lot that can't be replaced. You know, I, I think running back is going to be interesting to see how the Cowboys handle that. It's going to be interesting to see – how many linebackers, A, the Cowboys draft, or B, try to get in free agency. So I think there are going to be some changes there. I mean, probably draft some offensive linemen too and try to beef up that part of it. Latest first draft. I don't know. I don't think that that's – do you think that's too high? I think it's too high just because it seems like the Cowboys shoot themselves in the foot every time, every chance they get. It's like – I think it's too high for the Lions as well. Like the Lions are plus eleven hundred. They're fourth. Uh, they have the fourth best odds. Yes, they were one of the four teams left standing. Mm-hmm. And the top four guys that are on here are all the four teams that were left standing um, for uh, championship weekend. But <clears throat> excuse me, I keep sniffling into the mic. I'm trying not to. It's all good. But I think that the Lions are too high. I think that the Cowboys are too high. The Bengals are seventh. I think I would move them up. I think the Bills okay. are too high. There's teams that I that I feel have proven that they won't that this iteration of their roster and of their coaches will not win a Super Bowl that way. The Cowboys are one of those teams. So I feel like with Mike McCarthy, with Dak, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. So I would never put money on something like that because I just don't see it. What's going to be different with this team? You have a different defensive coordinator. You're not really getting rid of any defensive uh, players or anything like that. You have, maybe have to get some linebackers. You probably have to get some safeties, but it's going to be largely the same team. Offensively, it's going to be largely the same team. Maybe they tag Tony Pollard yet again and bring in another running back to start uh, getting the kind of the horses refilling the stables there. But it's going to be largely the same team. I just don't see what's different. Yeah, I mean, I look at these odds and they're just they're meaningless to me because I mean, I just don't bet. I mean, I don't like my odds on any of these teams. You know, I mean, it's just the random nature of playing a seventeen game schedule and then the playoffs and everything else. I don't know. I mean. I mean, would you 
Do you think the Chiefs are too low at six fifty? I mean, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't I'll bet, bet against them. I'll bet the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl every year, right? Until Patrick Mahomes retires. Right. So, um, I was going to talk a little bit about Field Yates' mock draft. He has uh, the twenty fourth over. I'm doing this from memory now because I printed it out and it's sitting in the printer upstairs. Well done. Uh, yeah, very good. Blame the sickness. Very cloudy upstairs right now. Um, and by upstairs, I mean in my head. Um, he has them taking a linebacker in the first round out of Texas A and M. I don't remember the player's name, but. I think that that's going to be something that the Cowboys are going to have to build up is that linebacking core, and I think everybody knows that. Um, their linebackers are thin as thin can be, and they can't stay healthy. So it's either that. You're going to have to start building up this offensive line again. Tyron Smith is old, 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 and he's a free agent. Um, Zach Martin getting old. Everybody on that line is getting old, so the the balls of the world are going to have to step up. The uh, Biotish is also a free agent, so you're going to have to re-sign him. So it's it's – a lot of um, a lot of balls in the air. One hundred percent, but it is for all these teams going into the postseason, right? I mean, or into the uh, off season, I should say. Right. Uh, let's get to spring training. So, your favorite yeah. time of the year? Uh, pitchers and catchers reported this week. Now I finally have something to add. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pitchers and catchers reported this week. The World Series odds are. Like this, the Texas teams have two out of the top six spots. Dodgers are plus 400 after signing Shohei Otani and Madanushi, whatever the other Japanese player's name is that they signed for a crap ton of money, uh, and everybody else that they've signed. Uh, Dodgers plus 400, Braves are plus 600, Astros plus 800, Yankees plus 900, Orioles 12 to 1 odds, and Rangers 12 to 1 odds. I kind of like where the Rangers are because for the sole reason that they can post that right in the locker room and be like, your defending World Series champs have the sixth best odds to win the World Series next year? F you. You know what? You know what I mean? Right, for sure. And then not only that, you think about come July, like if they could just tread water, and I think they got a better team than just treading water, you're going to add Scherzer and DeGrom potentially mm -hmm. to this rotation. I mean, I'm worried <laughs> get about, out of here. I'm worried about the rotation. Yeah. I am. They signed Tyler Maley. Um they haven't re-signed Jordan Montgomery yet. They still have Nasty Nate Uvalde. They still got Dane Dunning and those, that group of uh, fourth or fifth starters, I would say, in a rotation. So I'm worried about the rotation a lot. For the, I am for too them. because you have to, you know, at least the, uh, conventional wisdom says that all those guys, pitchers, that were super healthy last year, will they stay healthy right. for another year? Especially if they have track records for breaking down a little bit then bouncing back. So – It'll be fascinating. I mean, I think the Astros are in the same canoe. I mean, they're going to get guys that are healthy back as we move through the course of the season. And it, dude, this is going to be such a great year. As good as last year was, and I can remember early on in the season talking about, wouldn't it be great if the Rangers could just make a move and make this thing sort of interesting and how much better the summer's going to flow if we have the Rangers and Astros slugging it out down the stretch to try to get to the World Series. And now, not only did they exceed all expectations by winning it all, you've got them and the Astros right basically in our own backyard, duking it out for a whole year, the last two world champions residing in the great Lone Star State. Dude, sign me up for all of this. I'm all in. Pitchers and catchers report day one. Position players five days later. Let's go. The storylines are already – there's already too many to keep track of right now. Every day I feel like, oh, good, there's a good storyline today. I'll save this one for tomorrow. 
on both teams. Everybody's got a little drama. Will the Astros resign Alex Bregman to a long-term deal if they don't? How hard, how well, how great is this guy going to be playing on the last year of a deal? You know, and then you have the Rangers, the chip on their shoulder. Nobody gives them respect for winning. And already Josh Young's got a little injury he's having to deal with early on. So already some challenges set before the team. It's 162 games, but they all count. And they all count at the end. Just ask the Rangers. One more game, and maybe they don't have to go on the road and do all kinds of historical stuff. They all count, Matthew. For anybody wondering what uh, Chuck's favorite sport is. <laughs> I'll just, I'm not even going to write rundowns from now on. I'm just going to put baseball and just be like, all right, you Chuck, can do that go ahead. all day, right? <laughs> no, I like you chipping in too, man. I no, mean, I mean, the I, odds things are like, how do you bet against the Dodgers with everything that they've added? I think it's going to be interesting, the, the NL, because the AL, I think we know who's going to be really good there. It's going to be the Rangers, it's going to be the Astros, it's going to be the Yankees, it's going to be the Orioles, uh, it's going to be Tam- Tampa. is yep. always good. The Mariners are always yep. good. See if the Red Sox can get their heads out of their asses. At some Twins. point, Twins are going to be good. Twins are still the favorite, apparently, to sign uh, Jordan Montgomery right now. Hmm. But you, you have uh, a lot of big key players still in free agency, so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of bricks that still need to be laid uh, when it comes to what these teams are really going to look like. You have the Orioles, who made the huge acquisition to get Corbin Burns, so they're going to be even better than they were last year, and they were a great young team yeah. last year, uh, probably a year ahead of schedule. So now they're going to right on schedule, and I would say that they're probably the biggest um, threat to the Astros and Rangers in the in the A. Yeah, I mean, to, young to me, team, got their feet wet, obviously wet the bed in the postseason, but with a whole year of experience with those guys, added a closer – yeah, the Orioles made a heck of a leap, and then that division's not going to be easy. I mean, the Blue Jays are solid. The Yankees are solid. Well, so. The whole division's always solid. I mean, right. you have one team that falls short every year, and whoever that is, just insert name here. Like right. The Red Sox have done it the last couple of years. The Blue Jays before that. I mean, the Orioles before that. So it was just, you never really know who's going to be in the cellar of that division, but even in the cellar of that division, they're treading water at 500 pretty right. much the whole year. So, um the other thing that I wanted to talk, I want to talk two more things before we get out of here. So, uh, Josh Hader, obviously, uh, big, 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 big acquisition for the Astros. They're paying him the high, I think it's the highest new money reliever deal in uh, Major League uh, Baseball history. So, you now have that. You have uh, Abreu, who's in the back end of that bullpen. You have Presley, who's in the back end of that bullpen. Is that going to be the difference maker? Can that be the difference maker for the Astros? It could very well that's be. that's your seven, eight, nine guys right there. Just yes. Every, every day, just run them out there. It's... It's very formidable, right? If you have to like the Astros' chances if they have the lead after the sixth inning with those three studs down there. I'm just really impressed with Ryan Presley because if you break the numbers down from last year, similar numbers to Hayter, you know, the fact that this guy started his career as a setup guy, turned into a closer late in his career, and was a he's a damn good closer. The fact that he just said, we over me, there's just not a lot of guys that would do that, especially a guy that's you know, been in as many big postseason games as he's been, man. I mean, been there, done that. And for him to just, you know, do the team game and, you know, again, probably are both of them going to stay healthy all year? I think that's the hope. The good news is 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 that that everyone stays healthy. Right. You know it's not going to happen. Right. But that's the hope. So the good news is, is that the Astros got two dominant closers if need be, whether it's the eighth inning or the ninth inning. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I th- I feel like Josh Hader, I don't have numbers to back this up, but just anecdotally watching, I feel like Josh Hader's fell off a little bit because he he was the closer in my area in uh, Milwaukee. 
and then he got traded and then he resigned and it's it just a weird kind of couple of years for him i feel like he kind of lost some stuff in, in uh san diego maybe he refines it with the astros and it's not like he's fallen off a cliff or anything like that i just think he lost yeah know, there was a little a, bit of a tick there there was a stretch in san diego where he had a hard time getting people out and then he got hot again yeah. so i think it's just cyclical with pitchers right it and it almost seems year to year either you have a good year or a bad year and it usually doesn't correct itself one way or the other you know given on how you start so. i also think it'll be interesting how the astros respond to a new manager I mean, we, and we saw what a new manager can do with the uh, Rangers. I mean, the Rangers, Bo- Boach came in and won the World Series. So we'll, I don't know how the, how the dusty effect is what I'll call it is, uh, is going to affect them this season. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting dynamic too because, I mean, that's the one constant about the Astros over the last decade is, is that you can change general managers, you can change managers, and yet they're going to be right there at the end no matter who's yeah. running the ship or who's steering it. So I think that speaks to the core of their players too. I want to have a little bit of a converse, uh, larger conversation on Major League Baseball free agency uh, in a later podcast, but uh, we're running out of time here, so we'll, sa- we'll save that for next time. Uh, I think that Major League Baseball free agency is a huge issue because you don't have it like the like the NFL or the NBA where you have like a day and everyone just re- everyone signs and it's a whole fiasco, like it's a whole thing that you kind of count on where – a-list players, B-list players, C-list players all sign within a week. And then because right now, they've been free agents for, what, five months, four months? Yeah. And nobody's signing. It's just kind of blech. But. Uh, it'd be nice if they could kind of figure out a way. You know, you probably have to have a salary cap to right. move some of this a little quicker. But until you do, guys are going to hold out both sides as long as they can. All right, guys, that's, a, that's what we got for you on the Steve Cleats podcast today. Remember, download, rate, review, subscribe, use five-star rating, tell a friend, tell an enemy. I'm going to go have some Mucinex and try and get through the rest of this rest of this day. We'll see you right back here on Thursday. Actually, I will not be here on Thursday. Zach and Chuck and Don will be here on Thursday. Uh, until then, everybody have a good week. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.